0: Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting
1: thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Man, God put something in my heart several, several years ago, and about three, or four months ago, this thing just kept on, it just kept on hitting me, kept on hitting me, and it's the whole message around being for our neighbors, being for our neighbors, showing our neighbors what love can do. Um, we, me and um, some of my volunteers, some of my leaders, we we went to a conference about four months ago or so, back in April, and we were sitting there and we were, we're in the airport and uh, we just grabbed some food. We're getting ready to catch our flights and all that stuff. And we're getting ready to bless our food, like I said. And there's a lady that we just, we noticed her. And I, I just looked over and said, hey, um, can we pray for you for anything? Is there anything that, that we could pray with you about? And she looked at me with, I mean, her eyes got about that big around. They were huge. And she's like, like, Are you talking to me? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I said, I'm sorry. I said, listen, I, I went in and introduced myself. I said, hey, i my name is Mark Boyette. I'm the children's pastor at the church in Bushland in Bushland, Texas. And I said, I know you have no idea where that is, but this is my group of leaders right here. And we just noticed you here, and we just wanted to see if we could pray for you. And she's okay, um, sure. Uh could you pray for me, my family, and my brother? She says, I'm actually going to pick my brother up. And I said, absolutely. I said, would you mind joining us in, in, in prayer? So she comes and, and circles up. And I said, can you tell me your name? Her name was Amy. And we sat there and we prayed. And as we just, I, mean, I love my, my, my leaders, man. We just agreed for her family, believing over him, just prayed for her family. And she went and sat back down and waited, and we, we sat there and went on our way and stuff. But it got me to thinking about what the word says in Mark chapter 12. In Mark chapter 12, verse 28, it says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Notice, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments... Which is the most important? And Jesus answered, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And that message has just been over and over and over, going over in my spirit, in my heart, because we have got to love our neighbors. We've got to reach out to them. We've got to let our neighbors know that we're for them. And of course, you know, you might look at me as well. You, know, uh, you all know, who's, who's our neighbor? Who is our neighbor? And, and if you look in Luke, Jesus was asked the very same question. Luke chapter 10, it said, on one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. And Jesus had asked, or or he said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you answered correctly. Do this and you will live. And then Jesus goes on and tells the story of the the, the Good Samaritan. And he talks about how this guy was just beaten and left for dead. And a priest walks by and he he notices the guy. And without even thinking, he's like, I do not want to deal with this guy. And he he takes a whole other route to avoid him. And then a Levite walks up on the same trail. He sees the guy. He's like, oh, no. He ain't, I don't, I can't get along with him. So he takes a whole nother route and he avoids him. And then the Samaritan walks up. And the Bible says that he took pity upon him. And he takes care of him. And he puts him on his donkey, and he dry, right, they, they go into town, and they, he gets a room at the inn, and he pays the innkeeper and says, hey, listen, here's two silver coins. I will reimburse you on my way back through for any other debt, any other expenses that you incur. I, w- I will take care of him. And Jesus says, which of these three do you, was, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert of the law said, well... The one who had mercy on him and Jesus said go and do likewise now what I love about that story and one thing that you have to remember about that story Jews and Samaritans they didn't get along at all in fact I mean they, they literally hated one another I guess I could compare it to like growing up I mean y'all know me when y'all see me around here, everybody's looked at me today They're like Man, why are you so dressed up? I mean, you're normally, you know. But I'm I'm usually decked out in my Dallas Cowboy gear, right? I'm a big Dallas Cowboy fan. And so I I relate it to Washington Redskins fans because I don't get along with Washington Redskins fans. I never will. I never have. It never will happen again. Now, I realize that the hatred is not there because I really don't hate them, but I really don't want to see them ever win a game ever again, okay? But... You can imagine walking up, me walking up on a Washington Redskins fan, landing in the middle of the road like, oh, well, you're on your own, buddy. No, I'm, I'm just joking about that. But guys, that's what it's talking about, being for our neighbors. This Samaritan looks with pity upon this guy and says, I will take care of you. I know you're not the same as, I, as me. I know we're supposed to hate one another, but I'm going to take care of you. And for this teacher of the law to be told, go and do likewise, go and be just like that guy, you know, I had to rock his world. Like, you want me? No, I don't know. And Jesus said, go and love your neighbor. Go and do likewise. So, my question for you this morning is Are you for your neighbor? Are you for your neighbor? Are we the church? Are we for our neighbors? Because if we are, it doesn't matter what people look like. It doesn't matter how they dress. It doesn't matter because we are supposed to be for our neighbors. And if we're for our neighbors, the first thing that I can tell you is that we cannot be nearsighted. In 2 Peter, let me flip over there real quick. 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 5, it says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self control, and to self control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if we possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Let me read that again. They will keep you. For if we possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind, and he's forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sin. How often... Are you making an effort to add to your faith goodness? How often are you making an effort to add to your goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control? How often to self-control are you adding perseverance and, and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love? How often are you having, adding love to your life? The Bible says by possessing these qualities, it keeps us from being ineffective and unproductive. Now, those are two words. When my eulogy is being read, I don't want those words mentioned about me. I don't want people to say, well, Mark, he lived an ineffective life and he was very unproductive with the time that he spent here on earth. I do not want that being said about me. If we possess these qualities, we become nearsighted and blind, forgetting that we have been cleansed from our past sins. As we can't let, we can't get blinded by our needs. We can't get insulated and forget about others. We can't be so insulated and, and not care about those around us. Students, when you're, when you're walking the halls of your class or, or, or the, of your school, Man, there's kids that are walking those same halls with you that are going, their their lives are miserable. They could be crumbling. You cannot forget about them. You can't be so insulated and, well, I'll just care about me. Guys, whoever we're working with, we can't get insulated with our own lives being so nearsighted only caring about what's going on in our lives. We got to show the world that we love them, that we care for them, that we're for them. Guys, we can't get away from the heart of the one that we serve. You can't get away from the heart of Jesus. So how do you know if you're struggling with nearsightedness? Let me ask you this one question. If God were to answer all your questions or all your prayers, if God were to answer all your prayers, would it change you or would it just change or would it change the world? If God were to answer all your prayers, would it change the world? Or would it just change you? If your prayers are all about Lord bless me and bless my household and bless this, and and you never once spend time lifting up your neighbors. And your brothers and sisters and those around you, those that you know who are going through stuff, you know that you've become nearsighted, guys. And if you become nearsighted, you're ineffective and unproductive. The second thing is, if if we are for our neighbors, we must change the way that we see each other. Guys, we have to engage with people in ways that adds dimension to our lives. We we, we need to develop personal relationships with those around us. People aren't looking for a theological debate. They really don't care about all you know about Jesus, and they don't really care all you know about the Bible. What they're looking for is someone who cares about what they are going through, they're looking for a friend. You see, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And if we're for our neighbors, we've got to begin showing people that we care for them. We have to engage with people in ways that adds dimension to our lives. We've got to develop those personal relationships because we've got to, again, again, not be so insulated, but look after them. In the book of John 4, uh, there's another story that, that, that you're very familiar with. It's when Jesus is at, he, he's talking with the woman at the well. Um, and y'all know the, y'all know the story. Jesus sits down, and he's like, hey, can you get me something to drink? And she's like, man, how dare you talk to me? You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. We don't talk. Remember, we talk. They hate each other. And then the second thing is this. Back in those days, guys did not talk to women at all. Now, I'm sure some of you wives in here are still saying, that's still true today. My husband never talks, right? But, I mean, that's the truth. I mean, listen, we're bad at communicating sometimes, right? But there's Jesus. He sits down. He's thirsty. Here's the woman. She's like, he's like, can I get a drink? <laughs> and she's like, uh, no, I don't think so. And then he goes, of course, y'all know, Hey, if you knew who was asking, you would ask a drink of the living water. And she's like, what's this living water? And they get to talking, right? And as they're going through it, he says, she's like, well, give me some of this living water. He says, well, go get your husband. And she's like, well, I, I don't really have a husband. He's like, e- what you say is true. You've actually been married five times and the guy you're shacking up with now, <laughs> he's not your husband. And she's just sitting there like, how in the world does this guy know this stuff, right? And the woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, he says, Well, I who speak to you am He. Now, what I love about this story, and what I want, I want to talk to you about this morning, is I want to look at this story through the disciples' eyes for just a second, all right? Through their their kind of perspective of what happens. Because if you look in verse 27, uh, yeah, 27, it says, just then, all right? So at the moment that Jesus says, I who speak to you am he, says, just then the disciples return. And we're surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked him, what do you want? Or why are you talking to her? Then leaving her water jar the woman runs back to town and said to the people, you've got to come see this man who told everything, told me everything that I've ever did. Could this be the Christ? So they came out of the town and made their way toward him. And verse 31 is a very interesting verse because it starts off with the word, meanwhile. Meanwhile. So you got to imagine this in your I, 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 whenever I read the Bible, I always picture a story of what, what, what's going on and I try to, try to picture it out. And in, in this particular story, I see this whole town of people coming and seeing if this is really the Christ. And there's this lady leading the charge. Come on, we're going to show you this guy who told me everything. And the disciples are just sitting there. Meanwhile, they're sitting there and say, Hey, man, are you hungry? Are you hung? And Jesus looking at them like, seriously, that's the question you got for me right now. I got a whole town of people headed this way to meet me, the Messiah, and you're worried if I'm hungry? That's a wrong time to ask that question. That's a wrong time to ask that question. And he looks, and if you look in verse 35... He says this and he says, Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Open your eyes, people. There's a whole town of people headed this way to meet me, and all you care about is I'm hungry. Open your eyes. Look, the field, the harvest—it's it's it's ripe for the harvest. I believe, guys, if the Father was speaking to us today, if we was to catch His heart, He would be saying this: Guys, you've got to see others the way that I see them. I wish that you could see Bushland, Texas, the way that I see Bushland, Texas. I wish you could see Amarillo, Texas the way that I see Amarillo, Texas. I really, 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 really wish that you could see people the way that I see people. Guys, we have got to catch the Father's heart. We've got to begin to see people the way that he sees them. We've got to be for our neighbors. We've got to let them know that we're not against them, but we're for them. Guys, if we're for our neighbors, we must change the way that we see each other. If we're for our neighbors, we also must be a friend of sinners. Jesus was a friend of sinners. I recently got finished reading this book and I gave a copy of it to all, most of my leaders, um, children's leaders And in the book. I mean, it says, sometimes it takes a party. Sometimes it takes a party. And in this book, he's just talking about ways of what it's like to reach people. Sometimes we got to go to them. You know, if you look at Jesus, Jesus was somewhat of a party animal. (laughs) And and, and, and don't get me wrong, okay? I'm not like saying Jesus was at a party doing keg stands and all that stuff. No, I'm not saying that. But Jesus, if you look at him, he was at parties all the time. Look at the very first miracle that that he did, that he performed. He was at a party. He was at a wedding banquet, right? And then... It was almost like Jesus was saying, sometimes it takes a party for us to change how we do see each other, right? Here they are, they're like, oh man, we ran out of wine. I guess this party's over. This celebration's over. Of course, Mary looks at Jesus like, no, I know somebody who can get this party going. Let's go. And Jesus like, okay, boom, makes wine and it's like the best wine ever, right? Sometimes it takes a party to demonstrate that God cares about those who party. Sometimes, and, and, and you don't think that's right. Let's, let's look at the story of the prodigal son. This guy goes to his dad and says, listen, I want my half of the inheritance and I want it now. Now. I don't care. I want it now. And dad's like, okay, here you go. And he gives it to him. And what's he do, man? He goes and spends all of it on a big party. That's all he was doing, a party every single night. And then he ran out. And then what happened? Emptiness hit him. Emptiness hit him. And he's like, man, my father's work hands are being treated better than I. I'm just going to see if I can work with my dad. And there's his dad. I mean, that's a beautiful picture. I love this story because there's the dad waiting for the son to return. And he sees him off in the distance and he takes off running. And he's like, son, you're home. And what's he do? We're gonna throw the biggest party because my son has returned home today. Sometimes it takes a party to confirm that we can always be forgiven. I don't know about you, but I've done things in my life that thank God for his forgiveness. Thank God for his forgiveness. Look at Zacchaeus for a moment. Zacchaeus was the worst of the worst. I mean, this dude cheated people left and right. And here comes Jesus. He hits the scene. And there's Zacchaeus standing in a a tree. He's like, hey, Zach. Hey, yeah, man, you. Hey, come down, man. We're going to go to your house and eat today. We're going to go to your house and celebrate, and, and, and in that, Jesus goes to them, and Zacchaeus realizes, man, I can, even me? I can be forgiven? Sometimes, it takes a party to prove that people matter more than our own opinions. I don't know how many times I've been on Facebook or it's usually Facebook because people, man, they share some of the craziest stuff. Oh, man. And they're so worried about getting their agenda pushed and getting their opinion heard that they don't care who it offends. They don't care who it impacts. Because sometimes it does take a party to know that people matter more than our opinions. Hey, you look at the Pharisees for a moment, the Pharisees, and they walked around. They knew everything there was to know about the Bible, right? About, about, about the word, about the law. And they walk around knowing, and, you know, they spent time. I mean, that's, like, I'm going to try my hardest to not rub elbows with sinners. That's what they did. That's what they did. And they'd go around, oh, I'm better than you, you know? And Jesus enters the scene. And you, you, you know, why do you think they were so offended? Because he was going against the people that they hated. And they're like, there is no way the Messiah would, treat, would do that. But yet he did. He went to the sinners. He's like, hey, come here. Come here. You know what's going to happen? You're going to hang out with me for a little bit. And you're going to touch the hem of my garment, And things are going to just change in your life. Because it doesn't really matter. I just want you to know I care for you. I want you to know that I love you. Sometimes it takes a party to remind us all that everyone is invited to the party. Everyone. Black, white, Asian, Hispanic, young, old, Washington Redskin fans, Dallas Cowboy fans, of course, right? Everyone is invited to the party. Guys, there are people that you work with On a daily basis, there are people that you interact with on a daily basis that are in the the grocery stores or at Walmart or wherever it may be. Those are people that you interact with on a daily basis that are invited to this party because I'm going to tell you what, there's going to be a party in heaven when we all go home and everyone is invited to this party. And the bottom line is, is we've got to get out of this mentality to think, well, I'm good with just my country club of a church here. I've got my friends that I go to church with. No, man, it's more than that. People got to know that we're for them. We've got to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Guys, we got to accept the personal responsibility that if people in our community are going to be saved and if lives are going to be reached, if lives are going to be touched, guys, it's not Pastor Jeff's job. It's not even God's job, but it's your job and it's my job. It's our job to reach these people. Many times people come to church and like, well, the pastor will take care of that. The pastor doesn't interact with the same people that you do. Well, God, if God wants them to come to church, he'll deal with them. No, look for a way to go and share your story with them. Guys, we've got to know that it's our job to be friends of sinners. We've got to develop those personal relations. We've we've got to look for opportunities to tell our personal stories. People look at me sometimes, they're like, witnessing is so hard. Guys, witnessing is not hard at all. Witnessing is, is not telling someone what's wrong with them. It's telling someone what happened to you. A witness says this. A witness says, hey, let me, can I tell you the difference that Jesus made in my life? Can I tell you where he's brought me from to where I am today? I'm not the same person I was 15 years ago. That's what a witness does. And it's our job to go out and share our stories with these people that we interact with on a daily basis. Guys, we must look for opportunities to give personal invitations Guys, we were sitting in that airport, and it would have been so easy for us just to say, hey, let's just pray over our food and bless our food and God watch over our flight. But Amy said, yes, can you pray for my brother? Can you pray? And she told me about what's going on in their life. And we prayed for him. When Amy's flight was called, Amy walked up to me, and she looked me straight in the face. And she said, Mark, thank you for noticing me. Thank you for... I've never had anyone notice me before. I've never had anyone care enough about me just to say, can we pray with you? Thank you for noticing me. You see... There are opportunities all around us. I heard once says that opportunities of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. You never know whose life you could impact with just that personal imitation. You never know what could happen. Guys, there's construction going on all over Emeril. Y'all know that. We gripe about it all the time, don't we? And we're about to have construction right here and we're gonna be like, oh my goodness, this is ruining my life. But instead of griping about it when we drive by those people, why can't we just pray a blessing over them? Why can't we be the church to them? Why can't we show them that we're for them and we're praying over them? We are all made better by the relationships we have in our life. We're better together. In fact, that's kind of the the theme of our fall kickoff this year. We are better together. Life done with friends is better. We must be a friend of sinners because Jesus was a friend of sinners. We must show our neighbors that we're for them. We must show the people that we're in contact with that we are for them. You see, Jesus knew what it meant to be for his neighbors. He said to we're to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. My question again is, do you love your neighbors? Are you for your neighbors? Are we the church at Bushland? Are we for our neighbors? Just something to think about this week. What life what life can you change this week by showing someone you're for them? By putting your needs aside and saying, hey, I'm here for you. We're here for you. Let's pray.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God. Find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram, by using the Church at Bushland, and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland.